Viv's got some thoughts about Harry and Meghan too. I'm sure people won't mind if they hear her in the background trotting up and down the hallway. No, she'll be fine. Um, should we dig into it? Yeah, <clears throat> let's do it. Viv. Bang. Viv. Bang. Hop off. <laughs> on. Oh, hello, Zan. Hi, Miff. Things are different today. Hi, Viv. Oh, who's a good girl? Yes. We're at my house because you just moved house. Yes. And so we're in my front room. I haven't got the, the internet connected yet. Yeah. been tethering my phone to oh, everything. how annoying. It's act- no, actually, it, real- it makes me realise how much data I have on my phone that oh, I really? don't use. Yeah. I went into my account and I was like, I can go for gold. I can yeah. stream any movie for the next <laughs> month and I won't even scratch the surface. Why I mean, am I paying for this data? That's right. Especially when you've got to work every day with Wi-Fi and yeah, then at home exactly. every day with Wi-Fi, but you're still probably paying 100 bucks a month, let me say. Yeah, something around Suggest, that. Suggest, yeah. yes. Um, but you get today added Viv in the background yeah. who is still a puppy and is very annoying. And she's just been de-sexed too, so she's a bit stinky because she hasn't had a bath for two weeks because she's had <laughs> stitches and I apologise for that. <laughs> Let's break that fourth wall. She's a beautiful girl though and she has lots of thoughts on Harry and Meghan too, mm. which is, I mean, we've got to say it's the biggest story of the week. Did you watch on Monday night? I watched last night right. uh, as catch-up, which was good because I could fade in and out because it's a long interview. I didn't realise how long it would be. And there's more to come. What? There's more hours. <laughs> Hours? Yeah, two more hours. They did. Are you serious? Hours of interview. Yeah. Oh my god! I thought that was it, and I was like, as it it. clicked over to eight thirty, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not watching Four Corners tonight. (laughs) It's going to keep on going. That's right, because you know those worlds are kind of similar in a way that they were dealing with ideas of of sexism in the workplace and and racism and all of that sort of stuff, which is essentially what the Harry and Meghan drama is all about and being supported by the firm, which is some weird business entity. The people who protect the royal family, who I guess the kind of business entity around the running of the the royal household. Yeah, who are they? Who are these horrible people? Faceless men and women. Who are they? I mean, they've been at the source of so many problems. I mean, you think back to Diana's experience, it was similar. Um, But is the firm just a replacement body for the Queen? Is this her wishes? Because from the Harry and Meghan interview, I couldn't work out that because they seem to have quite a good relationship with the Queen. And yet here's this firm doing all these things that seem to be counterintuitive to what the Queen is saying and doing in that they're not being supported at Mm. all by the House of Windsor. Well, these are the things that we found out from this interview. Um, Megan was very naive about what it meant to be a royal. Mm-hmm. She didn't understand all the things that that would um, mean, uh, how she would be treated, how she would, the kind of, you know, processes she'd need to go through, curtsying, everything, big mm-hmm. and small. Her and the Queen are good mates, um, as we realised, uh, and the Queen was never blindsided by the decision. Her relationship with Kate, they talked a little bit about that. Who made who cry? That was a weird conversation. That was a weird conversation. And, like, yeah, the fact that that was used against her in a way and it was never corrected by the firm. Yeah. It's odd, isn't it? It's just. And Harry's relationship with his dad and brother, which was pretty intense as well and sad. Let's all say, though, you know, I think it's it's Megan that's experienced this absolute weirdness and gone into it, and it's horrific. But it's such high drama, isn't it? I mean, these are all very wealthy people (laughs) as well. Like it's... It's exactly what you expect from the royals, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and I mean, and many people said that around the biggest um, and the shock, most shocking moments of the interview, which were these 
questions, uh, you know, alleged questions about how dark Archie's skin would be oh, from a member of the royal family. And I think the most awful part, Megan's mental health struggles and suicidal thoughts that she's ha- had and her saying that when she went to the royal family to ask for help that she was basically said, no, you can't, this would, you know, the optics would be bad, mm. you can't do this and she was left high and dry. And she was sort of isolated to such an extent that she was a prisoner as far well, as I could gather. she kind of alluded to that, didn't she, when she was whole, they, they take my passport off me. It's just it's like just that's something weird. that just went, I think a lot of people are like, wait, what? And then it really made you think, oh, she's being held hostage. Now there's a lot. There's been a lot of discussion around this. You know, the UK tabloids were going nuts. Um, there were some amazing pieces though running through that we picked out because you know all this stuff. Everyone's been talking yeah. about it. But I don't know if you saw this piece by Marina Hyde who wrote a scathingly spot on piece for the Guardian. Uh. Whatever you think of Harry and Meghan, their media critics are far worse. And she takes aim at the newspaper men who were in a huff who were talking about how this is the bringing down of the monarchy and the biggest crisis to hit the royal family. But they've been making plenty of coin out of calling out, embarrassing and, frankly, exposing the royal family for decades. And recently watching the Britney Spears documentary, we we see how it works. They live off the existence of these women and tearing them down and... Uh, that was written a month ago, so the interview hadn't even been seen at this point. So Marina Hyde is absolutely nailing it with her opinion She can pieces. see it before it's coming. She knew exactly how they were going to react. Yeah, exactly, because it's textbook, you know. Yeah, yeah, How dare she? And you can imagine it. They'd be all jowly. I definitely saw some shuddering jowls when I was seeing all these front pages. How dare she? She's a princess. She should shut up and be happy with her lot. And I think in a way she has... Megan, I should say, has kind of created a new way for the royals in a way that Diana never had the opportunity to do. In what way? She she got to escape and she got to sort of set her boundaries. And tell the story. And tell the story. And, look, I I don't think in England this is going to make much of a difference with all the old, you know, pale and stale, horrible royal commentators who essentially are an an ancient version of trolls really and they make Pre-internet. the reason that they exist the reason that they bring home the bacon is off the royal family right. and for good and bad so they you know they were the original trolls they're the bottom feeders of this whole just thing just telling people what to do and how to think how dare they you know like it, move on it's time to move on but also that idea of the crassness of Harry and Meghan talking to the media. One of the other great quotes in this piece that Marina wrote was, I guess Meghan and Harry's real crime is making money off TV companies as opposed to the backs of peasants or siphoning it out of the empire. Mm. On a PR level, it would probably help the Sussexes tactically if they now partnered with a pirate slaver or commandeered an entire country's mining concessions. A series of tediously authored documentaries for Netflix is simply too grotesque a route to wealth. And here is where she pulls back this focus and reminds us all, as some of the greatest articles of this week have been, of how disgusting the empire is, Mm. that this is an empire founded on colonisation, on the destruction of the First Nations peoples of many countries. Many countries. Here in Australia is one example, but think of that in terms of the Commonwealth around the world. 
So I think the, the, the hypocrisy of this is um, it's almost too much to bear. In this article, the final line, I think she just absolutely nails it. Um, and she says, so if it looks to you like Megan's getting it and you're not anymore, then you need to face the unavoidable takeout. You've been outmaneuvered by an emotional wellness podcaster. And here I think she's actually talking about those media men who just have spent their lives hating on her. Um, she goes on, it's it's like being out-strategized by Kale, as people who care, truly care about dignity, do just let the, the absolute indignity of that sink in. So I love good. it. <laughs> this is the anger of being left behind, isn't yeah. it? That's the jowls, the anger of being oh, left oh, behind. Oh, 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 how dare she? Speaking of jowls, um, Piers Morgan, who oh. is someone that like – I don't think, you know, necessarily everyone in Australia knows, but you would have seen his name pop up. I think he does pretty well in the UK and the US. He's one of those well, he's a combative he, he, television commentators. That's right. He started out in the papers and he was an editor and he was a very kind of 2000s editor, but he was also very much deeply embroiled in the phone hacking scandals that happened. But he also was then taken to America and... Uh, was given a, a talk show, which failed dismally. And so he's sort of come back to England with his tail between his legs. But I think that had given him an, a, more of a an angry position, you know. He really wanted to make his mark, leave his mark. And, and part of that, I think, has just been constant takedowns of Meghan Markle. Um, she used to be friends with him. Uh, I think when she got involved with Harry, she she stopped being friends with him. And he has been bitter and twisted about her ever since. And it's the transparency of which that's spoken about, particularly by Alex Beresford, who was the weather guy on Good Morning Britain, the mm. breakfast TV show that Piers Morgan was a co-host of. Alex, um, I didn't know much about Alex, I'll, I'll be honest, before this, um, but I've seen him speak about uh, this, Piers's endless attacking of, of Meghan and particularly his questioning of her telling the truth around her mental health struggles, oh, which is... was a real line in the sand. Absolutely. Like 41,000 complaints to ITV after this aired, an official complaint on behalf of the Duchess of Sussex and all of the co- most of the co-workers mm. um, saying, look, that's not on. But also peers to assume that anyone would air that sort of stuff with any kind of fiction around it him to think that that's what the world's like, I, I don't know, I think that's crook. It's actually sick. If he thinks that somebody would fake that and say that, it's so crook and so sick and, and that's the world that he lives in, you know, I'm pretty sure most of, the, most of us don't want a part of that world anymore. And again, just like things we've discussed in the last few weeks, when you undermine someone on such a public level, you're undermining many other people who have mm. experienced the same thing and saying, well, why should I believe you? What, you, what you're saying is bullshit. Mm. So this was a bridge too far. He has since resigned. He wasn't fired. He said he's resigned. But take a listen to this. This is something that happened on um, a morning where he literally walked off set in a tantrum, basically not facing any of these claims mm. by Alex Beresford, a.k.a. the weather guy. And I understand that you don't like Meghan Markle. You've made it so clear a number of times on this program a number of times, and I understand that you've got a personal relationship with Meg Markle or had one, and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. 
Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. Okay, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry, no. Oh, Sorry. So, do you know what? That's pathetic. You can trash me, maybe not my. No, 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 no. See I'm, you later. I'm being. So- Sorry, can't this do this. This is absolutely diabolical behaviour. What a hissy fit! What an absolute hissy fit from a man who you know they talk about Megan being dignified. That's not dignified. <laughs> and also, like, in the days that are following, he's been tweeting about, you know, quoting Winston Churchill talking about free speech and it's basically, I'll paraphrase, saying that, you know, free speech means that you can also have, you know, be it can be responded to in free speech. It's like, well, then Alex was responding to you responding mm. and you walked out. So you kind of like yeah. the hypocrisy of that, the, the, your you know, notion of free speech. Well, it's free speech when it applies to you. Yeah, but, but not if someone else, else is saying it, no, nah, I won't have a bar of it. Yeah. There was something that Alex oh, You tweeted. know what I thought when it was like, Wah! Yeah. <laughs> Someone call the wambulance. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alex tweeted something the next day that really cut cut through all of this commentary to me. It was a longer tweet, but this was the end of it. He said, it's not any of our places to pick apart claims of racism in order to make us feel more comfortable. And that really spoke to me, particularly in some of my own reactions to that two-hour interview you're viewing this behaviour in the prism of a history of, of colonisation, which is racism, you know, it, it's, and it speaks to some people who feel very uncomfortable about this, you know, that they've, maybe they don't realise that what they're feeling uncomfortable about is the British hierarchy and monarchy mm. and, oh, shit, that's too much, I need to push that away and push it under the rug. Mm. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but that tweet just really resonated with me in terms of where we see ourselves, how we've benefited from that history of yes. colonisation in the UK and in Australia. And in Australia. Um, it's much bigger than some people may think. Yeah. And if you're worried about where Piers Morgan is going to go, I think it's really interesting that he chose this week to leave and I feel like he will be one of the first figureheads for the brand new television station that's opening in the UK, which is going to be based on, I guess, like a Fox News or a Sky News here in Australia. Run by Murdoch? Not sure who it's run by, but it, they're going for the exactly same right-wing perspective. Oh, so I don't think he's going to be in fear of having any work. And it seems slightly and highly coincidental that this happened this week. What a press release moment for him. Mm. There is one other great piece that we, I mean, I was trying to pick out my favourite moments of it. Patrick Frayne from the Irish Times, the title of which is Harry and Meghan, the union of two great houses, oh. the Windsors and the celebrities <laughs> is complete. Um, it's so spicy, but there's also some really spot on points. And um, again, we're going to put this in the show notes, but how does it open? Oh, it opens so magnificently. I'll just read it for you. Having a monarchy next door is a little like having a neighbour who's really into clowns and has daubed their house with clown murals, displays clown dolls in each window and has an insatiable desire to hear about and discuss clown-related news stories. (laughs) More specifically for the Irish, it's like having a neighbour who's really into clowns and also your grandfather was murdered by a clown. (laughs) Like, it's so true. I mean, this this is my frustration with the idea of a monarchy. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy that's created to somehow quieten down the masses mm. and to look at how they could be and, and, and aspirational and all of that. But this is a family that, you know, basically 
have been living off the public purse forever. And, and they have no real power. And anymore. they have no real political power. It, it is purely, yeah, their role is, is purely or really performative. Mm. And they have no value really aside from that performance. And this is, this is that performance writ large. And by trying to keep it as things were, I think they've created more of a performance for the for the the country, which sadly I think will mean that they stay for a lot longer. <laughs> World's greatest cosplay. Totally, totally. It's all bullshit. All bullshit. I love them and I'm obsessed by them. I know. This is why I was so excited about bullshit. talking to you about this. I know you love digging into the royals. It's just bullshit, and and it's a, you know, it's it's like religion. It was. Intended to control the masses and yeah. royalty in the same way is used to control the masses. And in England, I think especially, it is used to maintain like a class system that is so cruel to others. Uh, and it's, it's a horrid institution. Horrid. Utterly horrid. <laughs> Time to go, I Time say. to go. And, you know, look, whatever you think of Harry and Meghan and the Netflix and Spotify deals... Oh, good on them. Get out. Get out while you can. <laughs> can we talk about one more queen before we wrap mm-hmm. up our royal talk? It was the biggest story of this week. We had to talk about it. But one of the other things I was reminded of was how fucking amazing Oprah is as oh. an interviewer. <laughs> Everything. How good was the her house? How good? Was sorry, her, her friend's house. Sorry, her friend's house. <laughs> as if. Um, how good with the glasses, the the, the, out- the Harry Potter glasses, the Harry Potter glasses, the outfitting to show poise and control, but relaxed. The large chair that only rich people have. Mm, the outdoor, outdoor furniture, furniture that's that just I- slightly—is it a couch or is it a chair? Who knows? Wealth. Matter. It's wealth. It just says wealth. It's like it's like my friend Tanya says when you do a barefoot photo shoot, you've made it. <laughs> like if you are shoeless, you've made it, and if you've got one of those couches, you've made it. The, I mean, I will acknowledge, you know, there are questions around her independence in this interview. She basically yeah. starts off the interview saying that nothing is off limits and they don't know the questions, but also thanks for inviting me to the wedding. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but the, the thing that I loved watching um, about this interview and, and any Oprah interviews, I was just reminded of how she's she goes where you want her to go. She understands audiences. She's direct. She asks for clarity. She's clear herself in guiding this whole conversation and that understanding of audiences in particular was never more obvious when you read up on the deals that she made around this. Mm. You know, Oprah left free-to-air television with CBS after a long career as a journalist and obviously host of the Oprah Winfrey show. She then went, started her own cable network. She sold that, pretty much all the yeah. shares, all of the ownership of that is now with Disney. Um and she's signed deals since with Apple and she's producing movies and musicals. But she didn't put this out on Apple. She could have easily put this out on Apple TV. She got the best deal. She's got, she sold it to CBS, her former free-to-air broadcaster, for $7 million. And she went with CBS, who then sold it on to, you know, markets all across all around the world. The world. But she went with CBS because she knows that this is a broadcaster that will appeal to the masses, to middle America, and she knows that she can create appointment television, which is very hard outside of sport, almost impossible these days when we all expect to watch stuff on demand and when we want mm. to. The fact that you know a large portion of the Western world was watching this at the, at same, the same time, time is phenomenal. Mm. Like she knows what stories work and she knows audiences and 
she is a queen. I yeah. think she's just I'm in awe of Oprah. Yeah, it's it's a business model that she has created all for herself. She also has created And Stedman. Let's not forget Stedman. <laughs> There's not enough talk about Stedman anymore. I wonder why. Yeah. She has also created. What about Gail? Has Gail still got her, her channel? Yeah, Gail, I think Gail's on breakfast television as oh, well. Oh, good on her. Um, Oprah's created the opportunity for many memes in the way that she has done her interviews and the reactions. <laughs> I mean, there's far too many to uh, point out here, but just take a listen to this little piece of audio. Were you silent or were you silenced? Someone tweeted out that little part of the interview <laughs> earlier this week and their tweet was, my exclusive interview with the G in lasagna. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, it made my week. Um, hey, we mentioned Four Corners earlier mm. and I just wanted to give a quick shout out because this Oprah's interview was for two hours on Monday. It did overlap with Four Corners and I wanted to mention that because – the episode that was on was a companion episode to the Canberra bubble story, which we spoke about back in November. Mm, and they couldn't um, bang they on. couldn't actually release a lot of the footage that, that they had had because it was about Christian Porter at the time, who was then unnamed as the alleged uh, rapist. Yes, and the lawyers on the day that that was airing had gone back and forth with government lawyers about stopping the broadcast of this. So what we saw on Monday night, and you can still watch on iView, is the story of Kate the woman who died by suicide last year after alleging she was raped by Christian Porter. It's um, it's a it's it's a really uh, tough watch in some places. Again, a content warning, um, but it's if you if you are able to, it's well worth watching, and it's on iView now. So this if you're like me and you're watching hours and hours of mm. Harry and Meghan, um, go back into iView and watch yeah. that episode too. This is a real moment, though. Not only um, are we finding things like. In the last year, Black Lives Matter, we are having this watershed moment, a reckoning in our own parliament um, and then within the royal family. It's it's all about the structures by which we live yeah. and they are cracking. Mm. They are absolutely and utterly cracking and the people who are most in fear of them cracking are the people who have benefited the most from these systems that are in place and it's it's a horrible time. I... I won't disagree with that, but at the same time, what will come of this, I think, is going to absolutely and utterly change the world. And it's these small steps and I think to realise that we're part of really reframing how we live and, and, and what institutions we hold in, in regard or respect and how those institutions work, that is really being questioned right now on so many levels and I, I actually find that, you know, that's the one positive to come out of this. Something else that this time has also given us, and I think the pandemic has driven us all a little bit nuts, uh, that is a movie that will be directed by Elizabeth Banks. Queen. <laughs> who is a queen. Uh, we saw her in that um, oh, Hunger Games. She's amazing. She's directing a movie about Cocaine Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what other time would Cocaine Bear get up? This is just a no, time. No, you can't say, as though everyone knows what you're even talking about. Can you just read the synopsis of oh, Cocaine Bear? Let because me get it. This is just like you, you want to be a fly on the wall in this Hollywood pitch oh. meeting when she's like, 
I've got an idea. Stay with me. So I'm, what's the pitch? I'm reading this off the AV Club website. In 1985, a drug smuggler named Andrew Thornton fell to his death because he jumped out of a plane while carrying too heavy a load while parachuting. That load was presumably drugs because before his death, he dropped a bunch of cocaine out of a plane somewhere over Georgia. This is my film voice too. And as you can probably guess from content clues, that cocaine was later found by a bear, specifically a 175-pound black bear. The story – oh, we, yeah. And then subsequently the bear ate the bags of cocaine oh. and I am not entirely sure where that story leads. <laughs> Other than the like, b- does the film open with this, or does it lead up to it? I, I need more information. I know. Spoiler alert: the bear dies, obviously, which oh, is the poor awful, bear. awful. But that bear was um, was found, uh, and that bear was stuffed, and that bear was bought at some point by country star Waylon Jennings. Well, okay, I did not know <laughs> this part of the story. I know what he didn't know it was cocaine bear, but. <laughs> Cocaine bear was stuffed because of it. So you've got a taxidermied cocaine bear. Um, Waylon Jennings owned it, but then it was on sold because, of course, the story around cocaine bear. It's now in, and I've got, hang on, I'm finding it. Where are you, cocaine bear? Miff Googles. Yeah, I'm Googling. Um, cocaine bear can now be seen uh, at the Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky Fun Mall. He's there and you can see Cocaine Bear wearing a story of Cocaine Bear around his neck, often wearing a different version of a hat put on by whoever's taking the photo. I feel like this is going to be an analogy for the times. There's going Mm. to be some greater meaning to Cocaine Bear. That can't just be it. But Cocaine Bear is happening. It's being greenlit. Watch this space. We'll review it when it comes out. (laughs) No, I think it'll be scary and sad. Everybody dies. Including the bear. Including the bear. And that's like, you know, I grew up with Humphrey B. Bear. I'm not ready for this. Black bears are slightly different to Humphrey B. Bear, but that's okay. Yeah, true. Oh, really quick fashion update oh. and a big shout out to Sarah who emailed in from Wurundjeri Country. Long time listener, first time emailer, says Sarah. I don't know if this is zany enough, but, and she links to a work from home Pajama suit. Yeah. It's been tailored for Zoom. It's mid-chest up, it appears to be a crisp white shirt, but look further down mm. and it turns into the softest looking pair of PJs. Track suit, pajamas, it's magnificent. And, and I was so wondering, good. I was wondering why would you keep it white just for that? Like why wouldn't you do the whole thing white? But I realised because you need a tracksuit or a pajama to be a bit darker so you can spill food on it. <laughs> And no one notices because you can get it in a black as well, like a sort of a light pink for the ladies and sort of black halfway down. So that would be the, the colour change. But, yeah, it looks like a, it's a just proper, a, it's a proper just crisp iron shirt. Below the nipples is probably about the level you're mm. looking at. Look, the designer did weigh in on the length of that and he said originally part of the shirt could have been a little bit lower, but we prioritised the visual impact of the clothing and made sure it was high enough to just barely show up on your computer screen. So they've done some research as to how you sit down, $120 locally, about 9,900 yen. Um, Sarah says, I'm half Japanese, so it's entirely predictable to me, but (laughs) others may like it. She's like, I've seen this shit before. It is Amazing. This is the, the mullet of the clothing world. <laughs> it's business is. at the top, 
whatever you like party down the bottom. It literally is. It's beautiful. I love it and the, I will buy. The bang box overfloweth this week. Oh, A little shout out to Lauren as well. I think that we spoke about this last week about Lauren's daughter who thinks the word bang is hilarious mm. and she – Lauren listens to the podcast in the car. Thank you, Lauren. And – uh, whenever she's listening, um, her daughter sings along to the theme and she's been trying to record it and she finally did in the last week. Just take a little listen to this. Bang. Bang on. Bang on. <laughs> bang. 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 Bang on. Bang on. Is that not the cutest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> bang. Bang. <laughs> so cute. I hope she's listening now. Yeah. Hello, Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Hello, Lauren's daughter. Um, thank you for listening to Bang On. Really makes me think about all the time we swear, though. I know. Sorry. I know. When you're two, it's what it's like over your head, as far as I can tell from mothers that I know. <laughs> they don't care either. Yeah, it's all a blur, isn't it? It is. The world is a dirty word place. What are you banging on about this uh, week? The world is a, is just dirty words. <laughs> dirty words. <laughs> What am I banging on about this week? Oh my goodness, I'm listening to a book and um I think in context of the royals, it's it's a very timely read for me. It's from a journalist who I also adore, who is predominantly known as a food reviewer in the UK, Grace Dent. I don't know if you've read her stuff no. before. She's an amazing writer and I love her and I'm really keen I was really keen to to read this book. It's called Hungry, obviously, the relationship to her being a food writer, and that's how a lot of people will know her. But also it's very much a book about uh, class and food and her relationship with food because of the class that she grew up in in England. You know, there is a very established class system, and she's mm. a northerner. And northerners were considered by the southerners as, you know, absolutely classless. And she talks about her upbringing with food and and um, the, the types of food that she was brought up with. And now she's a, a food critic for one of the, you know, she's one of the most noted food critics in the world. So she, when she walks into restaurants where you'd probably spend thousands of dollars, you know, people quiver because she has that power. But to have come from a very uh, working class background and to have had her experiences and not to have come from, a, you know, Oxford or Cambridge or any of those royal institutions, family. royal family. She had no ins, <laughs> yeah. no ins in London. But it talks about her growing up and, and, and it's really sad too. It's about her family and uh, dementia and, yeah, it's it's a fabulous read. It's nostalgic but in a very unnostalgic way, which I think is very much a northern thing that's very unemotional and, mm. you know, they, they Stoicism. If, talk about stiff upper lip, you yeah. know. If anyone could pull off stiff upper lip, it's it's the working class because they have faced more hardships than anybody mm. and it's it's brilliant. I, I highly recommend it. I love... I love her voice. Listening to it is great, but her voice comes through in her in her words, and it's amazing. Awesome, Grace Dent. All right, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. What are you banging on about? Uh, well, I talked about the bang box overflowing this week. Mm. That's a sentence I don't think I need to say again. <laughs> um, bang fan member Craig emailed about this, and can I just say thank you so much, Craig, because this is 
a newsletter founded by David Byrne. How did I not know about this? I'm obsessed with David Byrne. I know. But I also David Byrne does so much. It's like yeah. he could be doing three million other things and I'd have no idea. Mm. It's a um, what's, what's called part magazine, part therapy session, part blueprint for a better world. Aww. It's called Reasons to be Cheerful. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, and it's basically this, you know, either website if you want to look at it or a newsletter that gets sent out of good stories, of stories of hope, um, stories that give us solutions. You know how sometimes we feel a bit frustrated, like the world's going to shit. It's like, well, there are some bad things happening, but also here are some people making the world a better place. Um, and also makes us think about, well, how can we be a part of that change mm. as well? So just to give you an example of some of the stuff that's on there right now, there's an article about a wood skyscraper in Vancouver, mm. as in like made out of wood. Usually it's made out of concrete and steel, saving thousands of tonnes of carbon emissions. There's also an article about the English National Opera partnering with a hospital to turn COVID recovery, as in like literally lung damage, into song because singing helps accelerate recovery. So the opera is helping people in this hospital. And then one of the most viewed articles on the website um, was actually written in March last year by David Byrne. It's called The World is Changing, So Can We. And it speaks to that that opportunity that we have with this radical shake-up of the pandemic, what we've been talking about Mm. today, is an opportunity to do things differently. I love this idea. I love that there's when we're feeling a bit buried by bad news and traumatic news um we know this stuff happens but to have it all in one website mm. reasons to be cheerful with solutions and also it's so good it's a website you know like at, at times when our news is being filtered and and you know that's always up for up for grabs now whether or not our social media is giving us what we need like go to a website go and give them clicks direct to the website and yep. it's all there for you i love that yeah so thank you very much craig I've signed up to the newsletter. I'm there for it. Newsletters, bring them back. <laughs> chain mail. No, never send me a chain never. mail. Never. Hate that shit. If um. you will post this, <laughs> if you will post this, I will know <laughs> that you support something weird. Oh, God, what an epic one. Yeah, another one. All right. What a, what a, what a year. I mean, <laughs> we've only been in it for three months. Back to our pauper life. Yeah. See you next week. I like my pauper life with my mad dog and. Yeah. <laughs> Echoey house. Thanks for coming to my house. Good to be here. Yeah. Good to see Viv. Yeah. She's been banished now. She's very upset with us. <laughs> <laughs> Upstairs, downstairs. That's what it's all about. Here. Exactly. See yeah. you next week. See ya. Hang on. Hang on. Vivian, what are you doing? You're trying oh, to... Oh, no, no. She's got... I'll get it. She's managed to pull off the laptop bag and wrap it around her leg.